When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're now locked into the zone with Diamonds and Roses podcast, bringing you one step closer to Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada baseball news, stories, and history. Proudly fueled by Baseballism, their America's brand, and Devo Bat Company, professional wood grain bats for the love of the game. And now your hosts, Ben and Travis. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Diamonds of Roses Baseball Podcast. As always, I say my name is Ben and I am your host. It has been a while, I mean a while, since we've done an episode for you, the fans of baseball here in the Pacific Northwest, Southwest Canada, and across the U.S. in the world. Wherever you may listen to, I'm glad you're listening, and welcome to Season 4 of the podcast. And I always say we got a great episode for you today because we always think we have a great episode for you. And to kick it off for Season 4, we have none other than Dave May, the man, the myth, the legend, the GM and managing partner of the Medford, Oregon Rogues. Dave, welcome to the episode. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Dave, I've been wanting to have Medford on my podcast for quite some time now. And, you know, we had a little bit of a discussion prior to recording the episode. We talked about all the awesome things that you have going on, what you're doing there. But Medford Rogues are very, very unique. Tell me a little bit about like where the name, hence where the name came from. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in 2012, the Medford Rogues were created and they actually opened it up to a, um, the local people to let the local people decide. Uh, and we, we gave, and I it was before my time, but we had given um, the fans a, a list of names, a list of different things. And so what we ended up deciding on or what they ended up deciding on was that the roads. And for two reasons. Number one, we live in the three reasons, really. We live in the Rogue Valley. It's called the Rogue Valley. So you got that tie in there. The Rogue River runs right through here, uh, which is a very large river that runs towards the ocean, obviously, big steelhead fishing there. And then ultimately, the number one reason, in my opinion, is that we had a minor league affiliate here in the 1950s, 50 and 51, I believe, uh, called the Medford Rogues. And they were a single A affiliate or a rookie ball affiliate uh, to the Giants at one point, the Dodgers at one point. Um, and so it made sense to kind of go back to those old roots and, and the, old, uh, the old name from the 50s and, and run with it and update some logos and designs. And uh, we couldn't be happier with our the choice that the community made at that time. 
Yeah. So, so for, for the fans and everybody who doesn't know, so Medford is located in Southwest Oregon. It's just North of Ashland, which is really close. Ashland is very close to the Oregon California border. And so Medford is just North of there. So in comparison to everything else, you guys, you guys appear to be a ways away from a, a lot of other teams and it, how how is that play into like your scheduling and, and getting teams and going different places to play other teams? It's hard in the sense of like you mentioned that we our closest opponent that is plays at the level that we play out with summer collegiate baseball is going to be Springfield, which is about two and a half hours north, and Reading two and a half hours south. Humble, which is on the coast, Arcata area, um, on the California coast there. You know, that's two, two and a half hours, three hours away there. And so, yeah, it makes it very difficult to schedule these opponents because, you know, we're bringing teams in from much further distances because ultimately we don't have the draw, you know, close to us. And so it's it's good and bad all at the same time. Um, you know, it's good for our fans because they get to experience some teams that are coming from this year, Salt Lake City, Utah. We have a team coming in from Salt Lake to play us uh, for five nights. And so our fans get to see some baseball from different areas. Um, and then ultimately people love this facility that we play at at Harry and David Field. And so the visiting teams are always ready to come here and play us, knowing that the, the, the facility is great, knowing that we're going to draw a good crowd and it's going to be a good time. And so uh, that's what's worked out for us so well is um, – having those resources available to us in Medford. Uh, and we are, as you mentioned, we're 27 miles from the California border, uh, 300 miles from Portland. So we are much, obviously much closer to California. We are just as far from Sacramento as we are Portland. So we're kind of an extension of California in that sense. And so a lot of our scheduling is done with California based teams, but we do have some teams from up North that, that come up and play us. Um, and we do make a trip to Eugene, uh, to play the Springfield team as well. So, um, you know, we, we have 45 home games this year, uh, 30, 45 games, excuse me, 35 of them are at home. We only have one long 10 day trip and then two one day trips. And so travel's nice. It's easy. Um, and the places that we're going are all reputable places. And so, um, any way we can find to put our team on the field against the best possible opponents that we can, we're willing to do. Uh, and unfortunately it takes a drive on our side and it also takes a drive from, from the others as well. Yeah, so you were meant, like the old Rogues are part in the 50s, the early 50s, were part of the, the Northwest League, and then they left, I think, and then it's like the, the Dodgers, the, the, they were called the Rogue Valley Dodgers, and then they became the Medford Dodgers, and then you had the Medford Giants, and then the Medford A's, and then the West Coast League, I mean, the Northwest League apparently packed up and headed out, because I think the, the last team that was there went and went, ended up going up to... Uh, up to Vancouver, BC, and they, they can the Canadians. Um, but you, you, you guys got in place and I, from what I read, and I would like to know if this is true, but from what I read, it's like the, the council decided like, Hey, we're not having professional minor league baseball here anymore at Harry and David field where you guys are located. And so there's this collegiate team. Is, is that, is that true? Is that come to? You yeah, know, ish. Yeah. Yeah. So um, cool. Cool about this is I grew up in Southern Oregon. And so for me, I had season tickets when I was eight, nine, 10 years old with my dad and mom to go to. Um, they were the Timberjacks, Southern Oregon Timberjacks. 
at A's affiliate, as you mentioned. Um, and so I remember going and, and doing all those things, being on the field, doing promotions, just as I'm doing now, but I was eight and, you know, the one that contested in the promotions, really cool. Um, but yeah, so that they left, um, they actually played at a different facility. We, the, the city of Medford built Harry and David Field in 2006. Um, the A's Timberjacks left, I believe it was 98 or 99 for, for uh, BC, as you had mentioned. Um, and so we had a little bit of a lull there where there wasn't any real good baseball here um, until about 2007. They brought in another collegiate team, the River Dogs. Um, they made it about four or five years before they had, had to fold up. And then the Rogues came to town and here we are 10 years later. Uh, but yeah, so now where, where they play or where they did play the A's, uh, that's now a Walmart. Uh, so they ripped it all out, built a Walmart, and then built this facility. But it's pretty neat. There's still a home plate in Walmart, one of the aisles uh, where home plate used to sit at the old Miles Field, as it was called then. Um, and so that's pretty neat for the baseball history here locally. You know, you walk down aisle 27 and there's home plate, you know, and it's, it's pretty cool. Wow. It's, it's pretty fun, yeah. It's <laughs> cool is... for our community just, just because anyone who's been here a long time or familiar with it knows that that used to be where the, where the A's used to play and then to have that um, – that kind of memorialized there in a walmart is is pretty fun okay you got me intrigued because you mentioned you used to be out on the field as a youth doing promotions you gotta have something that comes to memory that you remember that was just either wild and crazy or just absolutely fun promotion that you did on the field yeah uh, i remember a couple of them actually but the, my the one that comes to mind first um and it's funny i was just looking the other day there's a newspaper clipping of me and one of my best friends when we were eight years old at a game getting autographs you know and my mom sent me a picture of it in my scrapbook and i was like oh my gosh the memories but uh, I was uh, nine years old, I believe, and I got asked to do this promotion. It was my birthday. It was in July. And um, so I went out on the field and it was like a racing a mascot around the bases or something like that. But at the end of it, I was supposed to rip my shirt off and they were going to spray me with silly string. I, mm. I don't know. I'm nine. Right. Oh, OK, cool. Let's do it. You know, so I run around the bases. I get to home plate, rip my shirt off. There's no mascot to be found. He's already off the field. He must have missed that memo. So here I am standing in front of 2,000 people, nine years old, no shirt on at this baseball game at, at Miles Field and embarrassed as all get out. So I think that's why I remember that one because I was super embarrassed uh, that I missed the memo on how that promotion was supposed to work. Uh, but <laughs> it happens, you know, any, a good promo fail sometimes you know so yeah. th those happen I, i'm used to it now with what i do every day i've had some pretty bad promos some, some blunders and some promos uh but uh yeah that, that's one that i truly remember just because of just kind of the embarrassment of it i guess maybe and and then also just you know kind of memorable you know i mean birthday time and young and and baseball around baseball when you when you i gotta admit when you said that you had to run around the bases out in the mascot i was thinking of that that MLB guy that was like the guy that was the trying threes. to raise the, yeah, the freeze and then Atlanta. fell at yeah. the end. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought that's, I thought I totally thought that's what you were going to say. And, and, I, and I'm a huge Braves fan. So I'm very familiar with the freeze and, and that promotion. And if I could find a fast Southern Oregon university college student on the track team, I'd probably run something very similar to that. And, uh, but yeah, that, that reminds me of that. We've had some, we've had some field blunders. We've hit a, a $2,000 diamond in our infield before um, for diamond dig and no one found it. And Ooh. I, yeah, yeah, no one found it. Uh, we had to use a lot of water. The field is really dry. So we throw a bunch of water down, turns into a big mud puddle. I know exactly where the diamond is. There's about a hundred kids 
digging all in this area with a plastic shovel, maybe about this big. And so they- So it's like a really, little like four or five inch shovel? May, maybe, maybe. It might have, okay. I mean, the ones we got were tiny and we're actually needing to get bigger ones for this year. But yeah, so it's about, you know, pretty small overall. Um, and, you know, three or four inches, like you mentioned. And, and so kids are digging, kids are digging, can't find it. I end up going out there the next day, digging it up finding it and then we did a raffle for it with all the people that stuck around we took all their names down and so yeah i'm very familiar with failed and blunders when it comes to promotions they happen they happen at least once a year here yeah. you have to laugh about it you know i mean it's it's just it's 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 comical it's funny it happens it happens to the best of us um it happens in the big leagues as you mentioned with the freeze you know things like that just happen and uh you know i just i won't make that mistake and hide it in that spot again and i won't uh i, I will get bigger <laughs> shovels this time that's what I learned. Yeah. Well, I, I got an interesting side note. So we did a, a an episode on the Portland Rosebuds yeah. and Jackie Owens raced a horse for like a promotion. <laughs> so, so are you going to try to get out and, and race a horse for a promotion? Or are you going to try to race a miniature horse? It'd probably be a miniature horse. Okay. Um, the, the older I get, I'm 35 now. The older I get, the <laughs> knees are starting to hurt. The back's starting to hurt a little bit more. You know, you start carrying kegs of beer all over the stadium and things like that. Your back, you know, your back and knees start to give out. So yeah, I'd probably have to be like a three-legged horse or something if I was going to do it. <laughs> you um, should do a mini horse race. A mini horse race. For <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Give yourself a head start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like they do with the freeze. They, they give me a, give me about a seventy foot head start. <laughs> well, Dave. So let's talk a little bit about you before we get more into the rogues. So, how did you first get into into baseball itself? Did you play growing up, or is it just like you know you you got in it through your parents or grandparent or a friend, somebody? Yeah, I uh, played all through youth, um, started at six, seven years old T-ball all the way up through, played high school baseball. Um, the writing was pretty much on the wall after about my freshman or sophomore year when I was five foot one and 83 pounds and probably not going to be this big time baseball player, right? So, and that's okay. Like, every, you know, your dream gets dashed at some point. Mine just got dashed when I was 14 instead of, you know, some people make it to 35 before their dreams are over. And so that's okay. Um, and so, yeah, I just fell in love with the sport. I love the sport. Um, you know, it's, it's a fantastic sport. It's great for youth. It's great all the way up through adult, obviously, even. Um, anyone can play it. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad or indifferent. Just get out and play. Um, and so I, I did that all the way through high school. And then... Um, and then I, I got into coaching a little bit. I coached a youth travel ball team um, that actually my business partner and I started. Um, and we took kids to L.A. We took them to Omaha during the College World Series and played um, in the big showcase tournament in Omaha. It was all Southern Oregon kids, which is pretty fun when you when you go to those big national showcase tournaments. And, you know, we can say that literally all of our kids live within about an eight mile radius of each other. And then you have these other teams that are, you know, pulling from kids from the entire state and we're competing with them. So that was a lot of fun. So I got into through coaching that way. Um, did that for a handful of years. And then I became actually a, a head coach for fast pitch softball. Uh, did that for three years at a school in Eugene, um, just to, you know, I, I wanted to learn the game a little bit more and, and, you know, coaching girls was definitely different than coaching boys. And so I got to, got to learn a little bit about that and, and how to communicate better um, with, 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 uh, with women and men, of course, um, administrators across the board. Um, and so then when I, I moved back to Medford in 2016 uh, from Eugene, I ended up uh, 
uh, being a host family, actually moved back in 14. We were a host family for the Medford Rogues. That's how my wife and I started with the team. Uh, we, we just housed kids. So um, one of the coaches at Washington State lived with me uh, when he came through and played for the Rogues. Now he coaches at Washington State. Um, one of the guys that we host, host was a doctor uh, now. And so we keep in touch with all those kids. And so at the end of the 2016 season, I went to the GM at the time and said, hey, you know, I, I want to get involved. I, you know, I, I want to I work, work in sport. I work retail right now, or I did at that time. And, uh, you know, I just I want to get involved in baseball. My wife's tired of me working until 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday and then having to be there at 9 a.m. on a Sunday and, you know, having split days off and that type of stuff. And so uh, I was hired on as a part time salesperson here um, that lasted about three months before I became full time. Um, and then that was the 2017 season. And I was on full time sales marketing at that point for the team through 2017. Um, at the end of the 2017 season, our general manager um, time had been uh, let go essentially. And so we, we had an opening. I didn't apply for the first probably three months. Um, you know, I just, I'd only been here six months. And so it's like, you know, being from Medford, having the community ties, I didn't want to be the reason baseball failed in Medford. And that's, that was the feeling I was having mm -hmm. was if I take this thing over, you know, I don't want to be that reason. And so after we interviewed three or four people during that time frame, one job was offered and I was involved in all the interviews. It's really neat of the company at the time who owned the team to allow me in on that. It's just a sales guy uh, because ultimately it was a two or a three person office and, you know, they wanted me to stay on, but, um, you know, definitely wanted to bring somebody in. So we offered it to a guy and, and he didn't, he ended up not liking the pay. Shocker, uh, doesn't pay a whole lot. Um, I, I hate to, if, if there's a job out there that pays a lot in sports management, uh, I'll send my resume. Uh, but right now, there's just, there's just not a lot of, it's just not a high paying profession overall, um, you know, in my opinion. And so, um, you know, we, we decided that it would be best if, if I did take it and I did apply for it because, um, you know, of my love for baseball, for my love for my community, um, and, and wanting to do this and, and being passionate and, want to, and not want to do it for just one year, right? Like, we have a long-term vision. It's not, you know, it's not a one-and-done thing. Um, I'm on year six, I think it is, starting year six now. Um, and so I'm, I'm very tied into it. I, I love it. Um, and so, yeah, that's really how it started. I just posted kids, hey, I want to be involved in this. Got a part-time job, all right. Ended up being full-time, all right. And then ended up becoming the GM, all right. And then at the end of the 2018 season, um, the company who owned the Rogues decided to sell the franchise. And they offered me a job in Washington to go work for another franchise. I just couldn't do it. Um, and so we asked what our options were. And um, they said they were willing to sell the team and called a friend of mine who is a uh, local businessman, not anymore, he moved away, but um, called him and said, hey, there's an opportunity here. Let's go through this. And three days later, we put an offer together and um, the ownership group, formerly of the Rogues took the offer and kind of here we are today here we sit um, my wife and I have, has since bought him out and so that's you know now we're the sole owners of it and that was kind of the design of it from the start was mm -hmm. that he would kind of slowly back out and you know he was just wanted to make sure it stayed here locally and you know it was more of the financial backer to get it off the ground and then uh, once we got sufficient enough and self you know, both financially as well as personally sufficient on what we were doing uh, he was more than willing to, to just go ahead and sell it to us for a very fair price. And um, so kind of that, we're here we are today. And we ended up buying the team two months before the pandemic started. And so, oh, we, gosh. yeah, so, so we haven't really had our fair shake yet. Um, you know, and that's, that's something we're excited about this year is, is we finally get a full shake, a, a fair shake, um, a shake where we can have 
note attendance caps. Um, and, you know, so we have our full promotional schedule lined out for this year and it's aggressive. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we want to do is have an aggressive schedule and an aggressive promotional schedule to, to highlight who we are and what we do. What would you say is the most challenging aspect of your job? Oh, that's a tough one because there's a it kind of varies day by day. Um, you know, um, the things just kind of pop up. I think the hardest part, the hardest part for me, and it's it sounds sounds funny, the hardest part for me is one um, relating to the players in a sense of getting their paperwork and their finding their um, their insurance stuff in. That always seems to be a nightmare every year, and mostly because those I'd like to get that stuff done now or a little bit before now. But those guys are all playing college baseball right now. And so it makes it really difficult to, to get their attention for summertime when their full attention is what they're doing in the spring. And, and I don't blame them, but we have to get our stuff going and our paperwork going and our insurance stuff going. And so that's been one of the hardest things the last couple of years. But our coaches do a fantastic job of collecting. I think this year right now I have 33 or 34 guys as full info in already. And so if three or four more guys show up and we have to, you know, get some paperwork done for them. You know, it's three or four, not 34 or 35. Um, so that's one of the big ones. Um, that's pretty challenging. Another major challenging one is that within our lease here with the city of Medford, we manage the entire property. And so we have five plus acres of this baseball park where we only play 35 times a year at, but there's 365 days a year. And mm -hmm. so it's renting it out. It's all these other events. It's it's South Medford High School varsity out here right now practicing at area in David Field. And so it's it's those things. It's the time to be here until seven o'clock tonight because they're practicing the lockup but overall it's great for the community that a high school program is to play at a pretty nice facility uh, but it's hard to keep it nice for them too and it costs a lot of money to keep it nice for them in march when we don't start until june if we mm -hmm. didn't have to start till june we could not really care what the field looks like right now and get it ready june 1st uh but instead you know we we maximize it and so we that's for summer collegiate baseball but yes we also have um south medford high school that plays here mm -hmm. we have the baseball northwest championships here uh the last two years uh for those that are familiar into that they, they're familiar with medford in that sense um and and now we've started oregon state playing a fall ball game here um against university of san francisco at the battle at the border uh in october and so now our season is stretched really from march 1st until uh, late October. And so it's a really long season for only 35 rogues games, if that makes sense. So those mm -hmm. are some of the major challenges is, you know, I mean, we have 35 days to make our revenue uh, for what we do. And then we have all these other little side things that are kind of going to utilize the space and, and keeping track of everything. So um, overall, that's got to be probably the biggest challenge is making sure the field's ready for these athletes to get out here. No one's going to get hurt. Um, mm -hmm. And then obviously generating enough revenue to stay in business. Uh, for our 35 nights, because we don't make much money on on these little rentals. The, the school district doesn't pay us a ton of money for them to play here. They're a part of this community. We're here to help our community. We have a baseball field shortage in Southern Oregon. Here's an option for them. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of the main main issues that we tend to run into about this time every year. Uh, but as as the years go on, it gets easier and easier. You know, the, the, yeah. the relationship with the district gets easier and you know, year two of the Oregon State game versus San Francisco is going to be easier than it was year one. So it's just building those things to where they're annual. And then it's it's really easy to maintain at that point. But it's, it's building that, that annual experience. So from a business standpoint, let me ask you this question. 
do you think ultimately it would probably be easier for you if you were to actually just lease facilities like a like a lot of other teams do because there's a lot of other teams that play collegiate ball they don't know their they don't own the field they just lease it and they, you know they do things there it, yeah it's you, hard yeah it's, it's yeah i mean and you could look at it that way and, and we have and we do um and that might be something that happens in the future you know i don't know what what that's going to look like the relationship with the city as we move forward you know even beyond this year i don't know um you know they want us here they're they they want us to play our home games here and they want this to be our facility of course um but yeah it's uh i've thought about that a lot and the hard part for us is this we have so much stuff <laughs> truthfully we have all this promotional stuff we have all these giveaway items we have all these things and so if we don't have control full control of the facility we lose a ton of storage space and yeah. losing that storage space, and then you're having to run the storage to go get X, Y, and Z item. Whereas mm -hmm. if you had access to that stuff on site, uh, you know, that would be awesome. Also, our offices are here at the ballpark. And so, you know, having the office space here, having people able to just come drop in, like someone did this morning and just check the facility out. It turned into being a sponsor for us. They, they were just driving by and they saw the advertisements on the fence and they wanted to be a part of it. And so those types of scenarios and situations would go away. More than likely, if um, if we just leased it or we just you know rented it for our thirty five nights, and so those are kind of some of the things that we have to weigh as we move forward on that type of stuff. But yeah, I think from a overall headache standpoint, absolutely, it would be so much easier just to show up at three o'clock on a game day, you know, and and open the gates and play a, a baseball game. Absolutely, mm -hmm. it would be way easier. Uh, but you know, we like doing things the hard way in Medford, and so we're we're, we're going to continue to to punish ourselves. <laughs> so I'm assuming that you you're basically on a schedule like you have you have like okay on uh, starting on this date I have x starting on this day I have y so it's just like wash rinse and repeat so I'm assuming that there's maybe a few things that you change up on a yearly basis is that assumption correct well yes and no I only like to change things if they're broken you know, I mean, if things are going smooth, I, I'm the type of person that's like, let's not fix, let's not recreate the wheel. Let's not do anything that, you know, that we're not sure is going to work. But when we know and the proof is in the pudding that it all, this already does work, whatever that, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like we always analyze that stuff and evaluate ourselves in so many different ways on, you know, what we charge South Medford, for example, um, you know, the cost of good and the cost of the chalk and the paint and the, you know, the, the mound clay and all that stuff. But that's, so we're always analyzing that type of stuff. But as far as our calendar and schedule goes, it's pretty well set because ultimately in the spring, South Medford always plays their home games here. Ultimately in the summertime, we play our home games here. And then we figure out what August, September and October looks like. Um, and obviously, weather permitting, we're at dirt and grass field. We're surrounded by one of the largest turf complexes in the Northwest. It, it, what was U.S. Cellular Community Park, now it's Lithia and driveway or driveline uh, fields. And that just changed like very recently, like last week or a couple weeks ago. Um, and so, you know, we have all this turf around us. And so everyone always thinks we're this turf field and we can go 365 out here, but we can't. We, we take a lot of pride in our field. And so we don't really let anybody on the field until first of March, middle of March, when the grass starts to wake up. And then likewise, at the end, when it starts to rain, you know, when you get to October, we cancel stuff, you know, we can push through and play through it or have the events and ruin the field. But ultimately, that's just going to set us further back. And so yeah. um, it makes it hard to to get everything in 
from March to October that we want to get in for a 365 year. It's just all crammed right together. It certainly makes my October, November, December, January, and February fantastic. I never I probably don't get out of my pajamas for about four or five months, you know, by doing that because the weather's bad. I can't get outside. There's nothing that I can really do outside. And so I can work from home and do what I need to do from my pajamas in those months. So I can't complain. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's neat. It's a really neat thing to be here right now talking with you and seeing South Medford out there practicing, um, yeah. you know, seeing these kids smiling and appreciating the facility, the way we appreciate the facility. It's second to none. Yeah. So what's your sales pitch to these college collegiate players, even high school seniors that you're asking to come play for you there in Medford? Um, yeah. what, what's that what's that pitch if, if, if you got somebody listening to this what's your pitch to them to come play for you in Medford well it's there's a few of them um, number one pitch is it's free uh, we don't charge our athletes to play here at all it's 100 free your housing's free your transportation to and from away games is free your hotels are covered when we travel you get per diem on the road um, and so you're taken care of as a player um, specifically but then when we get to our game what we can tell them and, and game night is there's going to be a supportive crowd for you there it's probably going to be one of the larger crowds you've played in front of especially if you're a high school senior or a juco kid or you know somebody from a small d2 d3 program obviously someone like the university of oregon Oregon state you know they're drawn crowds and you know mm-hmm. some of those other larger power five schools they're drawn crowds so you know those those kids don't really you know care about the crowds they've seen them they've played in front and so that's a big hit for a lot of these kids is they get that opportunity to showcase their talents um within you know our community another thing that we do is we partner with local restaurants in our community and feed both our team and the visiting team after every single game free of charge catered meal for both teams at the end of it all fantastic so those are just some of the perks that we've worked through to to and work on to get these players here and make it really cost efficient for them because we know they're college kids we know that they're probably not floating a bill if if they're going to be playing for whoever charges it's their parents and so we don't want that burden on their parents we don't want that burden on them we want them to come play baseball we'll just sell more hot dogs and more beer and we're and we'll be able to fund it and so by having people in the seats it funds the team and by funding the team they don't have to pay any money and so that's what i think in my opinion separates us from some of the other franchises is you know it's 500 bucks to play here a thousand bucks to play there and you know you show up here you have a uniform you got a place to live and you got meals at least one meal a day every single day that we're providing you Mm -hmm. um and then beyond that it's pretty cost efficient our restaurants and other things locally and so it, it just makes it a better atmosphere for them um and easier to commit when they can tell their parents hey i'm going to medford it's free it doesn't cost us anything I get meals, I get housing, all my travel's covered, good to go, sign here. And they sign right there. So it works out, and we do target the younger players. We target um, a D1 high school seniors, the incoming freshmen to the D1s. That's a big target for our recruiting. And then we target a lot of the uh, like sophomores who are going to go D1, D2, whatever, NAIA, after they're done with their two years of the JUCO. Um, those are the types of kids that we target. We don't, We're not going for the – for the Texas, you know, Texas Longhorns four hitter, the number one team in the country. We're not going for him. That's, that's mm-hmm. not our business model. That's not our player model. Yeah. Um, now part of you talk about housing, um, you have people that take in these uh, students um, throughout the summer. 
um, how, how did, first of all, I, I know I've asked about this, but to others, but is there like a certain like kind of radius around the field, meaning like how far away from the field that they would have to be living in to be a host family? Yeah, we, we try and keep within about 15, 20 miles, um, you know, but one thing that's really important to us when we, when we place these kids in their homes, we make sure that somebody, if there's two players, they have a car. Uh, one of the two has a car to get from A to B, and so there's no real responsibility on the host family to make sure that they're getting to games or they're getting to the workouts or the gym or whatever they need to. Um, so, yeah, it's it's about 15, 20 miles. We've had some as far as Grants Pass, which is about 30 miles north of us that have that have housed. Um, and the kids like it because it was right on the river. And so they got to fish all the time. And, and so, um, you know, they're only playing baseball and they're only at the ballpark from, you know, two o'clock until 10, 1030 or whatever, you know, whenever we're done at the end of the night. And so they do have a lot of free time. And so we try and put them in, in the host family that fits them best and what, they're, what they want out of the summer um, the best. And so mm-hmm. um, traditionally it's all pretty localized. Um, we have a really good host family group. Um, they don't get much in the way of hosting a kid. They get some tickets and they get some discounts in the ballpark. But ultimately it's it's them wanting to help us out and help out the community and provide this for the community with us. And so um, our host family group, like I said, really good really attentive um, and really cares about the athletes. They're very, very, um, they're mom and dad when they're here this mm-hmm. for the summer, you know, the host families and the brothers are brothers and sisters. And, you know, it, it's neat. It's a really cool family atmosphere that we try and create with our host families um, and then pass down to the players because we want the players to sit down at dinner with their host family and hang out and watch sports center and do whatever the family does. We, we encourage that. Um, we put mm-hmm. actually days off in our schedule to allow things like that. Um, days where they're just home at night to, to hang out with the family and, and create that, create that bond. And it, the bonds work out great. I, last year, I can count probably seven or eight of our families of the 15, 16 that we had that still keep in touch with their athlete just from last year, even. And then the ones beyond too. So um, it's neat to, to have that relationship between the player and their host family forever. We have a player who's up at Oregon State now and his parents live in Southern California and they stay at the host family's house every time they go north to visit the, their kid in Corvallis. They oh, wow. stop at the host family's house and stay at the host family's house also, the same house that the kids stayed at, uh, you know, this last summer. And so mm-hmm. things like that are just so rewarding. Like it's just, it makes it so much fun to, to be tied and, and involved and even just that little aspect of what we do. Yeah. So not only are you you have that system in place, but you got this development. You're, you're you're developing these younger ball players into like adults and helping them grow and mature as individuals. Um, are you when you bring in a coach? Are you looking for not only the leadership that they build, but I mean, are you looking for them to like talk about community, how they be? Uh, their life beyond baseball and what they could do to either give back or, you know, be better leaders within their communities. I mean, like, uh, what are you looking for? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I what, what I'm looking for, I have now, which is great. Uh, my head coach, his name is Bill Rowe. He played on the uh, 2006 national championship Oregon state team. Uh, he actually scored the winning run against North Carolina in 06. So he was a, an integral part. He was first team all college world series that year. Um, he's from Ashland. So, I mean, he's local, he lives here. Um, it makes it neat because when we want to run camps and lessons and things like that, 
my coach is here. He's available anytime we want to do anything. He's the coaching coordinator for Ashland Little League. And so for us to even have our head coach volunteering his time with a little league and, and helping their coaches and growing the sport. That's exactly the type of person that we want leading our franchise because they're mm -hmm. in the community. They're helping out the youth. Um, and, and even more so, not just in one certain area, they do stuff in all the little leagues, you know, they're in all the youth travel ball stuff. They, they're just around, they go to all the youth tournaments. Um, and so that's Bill, my head coach, our associate head coach, his name's Parker Berberette. He's our pitching coach and kind of our, uh, our fiery coach. I like to call him. He's a little bit more of a fireball, uh, but he, he runs pitchers and catchers and he played at Oregon state. He was on the 12 or 13 team at Oregon state. Uh, he played seven years in the Brewers organization, getting to AAA. Uh, drafted as a catcher ended up converting to a pitcher so he gets he, he gets uh he gets the kids he understands them a lot because mm -hmm. he's he's gone through the minor league baseball grind and so did bill for a year but um you know he he's gone through that grind he knows you know the mental side of what that takes to be on a bus for 12 hours get off a bus play a game sleep in a crappy hotel and then do it all again the next day and so their life experiences, both through Oregon State and then both through professionally and now into their adulthood, their, their you know, 30s and 40s now, you know, they can relate to a lot of these athletes. And that's what we want. You know, we want our leaders, our coaches, our leaders to, uh, to lead these athletes. Uh, we mm -hmm. kind of have a saying here in our office that if Tabitha, who's my wife and one of the owners here with me, if uh, we don't know your name and you're a player, that's actually a good thing because it means you didn't get in trouble. It means, <laughs> you know, it means, it means, it means you just flew under the radar all summer and that's fantastic. Um, you know, obviously we get to know some of the kids and that the bright personality kids, you know, the mm -hmm. kids that come with a lot of character, we get to know those kids and it's never a bad thing. Um, we've had incredible success recruiting good human beings, good people. And that's what we really pride ourselves on. We don't necessarily care to have the best ball player. We want the best. We want the kid who's going to show up at two o'clock when the team has to be here at two 30 and get their early work in and beat the coaches here and beat their other teammates here and, and want to get their work. And those are the guys we want here. We want those guys who are willing to, to run through a wall for you, uh, so to speak in summer collegiate baseball, because of what we provide to them and the effort that we bring out and what we provide um, is what we really ultimately want out of them is to return it, return that, mm -hmm. return that fire. Um, and they do. And a lot of that comes with our coaching. So I don't do any of the recruiting. I leave all that up to our coaches. They do every ounce of our recruiting. Um, I don't have to work with the athletes. I don't have to be here at two o'clock for their early work and, and discipline them. The only time anyone's ever called into my office is when it's real bad. Uh, but if, you know, they do something stupid on the road that the coaches can handle, they have full range, go ahead, do it. Uh, we mm -hmm. haven't had any of those situations. So uh, we're fortunate. We're lucky and uh, good coaches, great support staff. Um, and you had mentioned uh, we have a former player who's now on our coaching staff. Same thing. He played all the way through school, played through college, you know, average player, good, good player. Um, but now he wants to give back. He's also a Medford guy and he yeah. wants to give back to the community in that sense too. And so those are the guys we want. We want those mm -hmm. guys, you know, and so we're pretty happy with the guys we have. They're all our Parker and Bill are entering their third season with us now. So they, they joined us right when the pandemic started. So they haven't necessarily even had one full season of what it actually is and what we actually do um, mm -hmm. because we had to tighten everything so much and you know all of our all the restrictions we really had to tighten you know all of our promotions and couldn't do as firework nights because well, no 
difficult people here. You can't afford them. And so those types of things, um, they're going to be get to see this year. And we're really excited. for that. Yeah. Now let's talk about the logo. So I'm looking at it. So looking at the hat, it's this skull and it's got two cross bats in the back of it. And it looks like it's got uh, some sort of like pirate type uh, scarf on its head. So yeah, a little bandana, yeah. little bandana. So let's talk about, talk about this design of, of, of this uh, logo. Were you involved in this or is this? I, wa I wasn't, I wasn't this, this logo is the original logo. One of the original logos from 2012 when the team was created. Um, mm -hmm. And and it's cool because um, the original GM of the Medford Rogues, his name's Chuck Eamon. And Chuck now owns uh, the Casper Horseheads, uh, which is another summer collegiate baseball team. Um, I think they're in the Independence League now. Uh, and the Western Nevada Pioneers, uh, also in that same league. And so he was in Medford. He created all this. Um, and so I can't take any of the credit for that. But I do call him all the time uh, because I complain because there's 9,000 different shades of green. And so <laughs> when you're trying to find the exact shade for a T-shirt or a hat, I told him, I was like, man, why couldn't we do like a blue? Why couldn't you do a red? Like colors that you really can't screw up or that are very, you know, one sided, you know, one color, one tone. And so mm -hmm. uh, I, I chew his butt all the time over that because it's just, it's one of those things where I'll get, we got some jerseys in two years ago and they were completely the wrong color green. We had to wear them for a week and they didn't match anything. But, you know, because there's so many different greens and different shades of green, you know, the company screwed them up. And by the time we could get them replaced, you know, it's a week or two into the season and we had to roll with what we had. Um, and so that's probably the only negative the drawback for me, the color green. But, um, you know, it, it works. Uh, I love the logo. The logo is very recognizable here in town. Um, mm -hmm. actually, I just went to the Mod Pizza for lunch today and uh, one of the guys was like, oh, do you play for the Rogues? I was like, no, I, I'm past my prime, but. Uh, so he recognized, so he recognized the logo, recognized the shirt, you know, um, and so that's, uh, that's awesome for our branding that the logos are, are recognized around town and, yeah. um, you know, recognized within the community. So we can't change it. We're stuck with it, even the color green, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll complain about it until I'm blue in the face, I guess. Yes. And I, you know, what's interesting. Okay. We talked about this before and you say a lot of people recognize it locally. And so me being a hat aficionado guy like I like to have hats like as you've probably seen from Twitter and like I have like all kinds of different hats that I you know post on there things you said that you don't have your game day hats readily available yeah. for uh the general public I think we could get you some sales but I'm just curious <laughs> yeah. curious to know to know why that's not why that's the case well, I, I guess it's just me being, uh, I don't, I don't know the right word. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just me being, um, gosh, I guess my own self. I don't know. I, I, I like supporting the hat myself and being like the only person in the world who isn't on the field that has a hat and has a game hat. Mm -hmm. Um, last year we gave one away to a retired cop who was a season ticket holder of ours. It was his retirement party here he's asked me for a hat since the very first day I started and so I finally gave him a hat uh which he brought tears to his eyes he was pretty happy about that he thought it was pretty cool um and so now we're kind of starting to get a little bit more lenient with who has them uh, a buddy of mine was walking through downtown Medford the other day and he had had this hat on and I mean I, I looked at my wife and I was like well it's good for branding like it's really cool that people get to see the, the, this hat mm -hmm. we have this design just a different color hat you know we still have logo it's just on a different style hat let's just say 
yeah. uh, it's cool to see walk around town or see somebody wearing your stuff around town and and then when it's a game hat i'm like yeah i don't know how i feel about this uh but i think we're gonna start letting letting the uh letting the uh guard down a little bit so we'll probably get you a hat then okay because I, I promise i'll wear it around and i'll take pictures <laughs> in different places sounds good yeah I'll, I'll work on a hat for you and i'm sure that my my buddy uh from the dad hat chronicles will probably hit you up and be like hey fair hey, enough you got yep. a you got a dad yep. hat so what i'm what i want to put out there is for the dad hat chronicles and i'm making sure that i'm going to tag him and just say listen <laughs> so is that hey Dave's going to work on getting a dad hat for, for you. For yep. you. So. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Have him contact me. I'm, I'm in. We'll, we'll take care of you guys. For okay. Sure. Excellent. Excellent. Especially if you're a large extra large. Cause we, end, we end up having a bunch of kids with our, a bunch of our players. I call them kids, but they're not. Uh, a bunch of our players, they get, um, you know, they all have peanut heads. So, you know, a lot of my, my small mediums just fly out of here. You know, I get 40 of each. We get 40 small mediums, mm -hmm. 40 large, extra larges every year for the team. So we get 80 hats for the team every year. They lose hats. They get dirty, you know, kids, players. Um, and so uh, I have a ton of large, extra large. So uh, if those are the sizes that are needed, I bet you we can. Uh, okay. That for sure. Yeah. I would. He'll, he'll be in contact with you. Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> so, uh so before we wrap up the episode, which I am so thrilled to have been able to like talk to you, get to know you a little bit better. Uh, when do you, when do you guys start? Like what, what day, what time, who are you playing? Yeah. So we start June 2nd, our home opener, actually the opener of our season. Um, and we finish on July 30th. So we're pretty quick, you know, some of like the West coast league and some of those other teams and leagues play through, through uh, part, part of August, half of August. Um, it's something that we realized that, it's really hard to get guys what are called a 10 day contract um, early in the year. It's much easier than finding a guy to come in and replace the last week or two of the season. And so we've just started ending our season sooner. Uh, but yeah, so we opened June 2nd against the Seattle studs, which is a, uh, the team in the PIL, I believe uh, the Pacific international league um, up there. They there was Everett and uh, a few other, those teams up there in that league. Um, and so they're coming down to play us on June 2nd, 3rd and 4th. Uh, to my knowledge or to my recollection, we have 13 different teams coming to town this summer to play us. Um, and so that's really neat. I think eight of them are new and have never been to Medford before, which is also exciting because, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and, you know, we get to introduce these new teams or these different teams to our brand and what we're trying to do. Um, it'll make scheduling hopefully easier in the future for us. Um, you know, just announced we got out of the Golden State Collegiate Baseball League, the league we've been in for the last three years. Um, similar concept or similar talks to earlier. Um, just wasn't financially feasible to go down there to the Bay Area 20-something times and and stay, you know, 20-something games and stay in hotels with Bay Area pricing. Um, when ultimately there's 35 opponents or 35 games that want to be played here. And so why separate it and play 22 at home and 22 on the road when we can play 35 at home and 10 on the road against premier teams. So our road games are Reading and Springfield, which Reading's an independent team, Springfield in the West Coast League. We go down to the Lincoln Potters, who are a CCL team and a very, very good team. Um, they're real good, actually. I, I, I was texting with their GM yesterday, and I, when we released our schedule a couple weeks back, I told him, I said, well, good news, we're going to be 42-3 and three this year. And he said, oh, yeah, you guys play us three times. And I said, yep, that's why we're going to be 42-3. and three. Uh, So, yeah, just those little jokes there. We always put something on the side on a bet when we play them. Um, you know, so that's always fun. We like doing that. Um, 
you know, we, we've done some social media stuff with Lincoln, but uh, so yeah, we go to Lincoln and then um, our last trip of the year is it's all tied into that one with Lincoln as we finish on the coast against Humboldt um, and we're in Humboldt for a week and um, Humboldt County. And so, yeah, it's a really easy, good schedule, um, really easy to get through. I think for our players and our fans, mm-hmm. um, good days off, good breaks, you know, um, it's not every day, every weekend, every, everything. Um, we have some Monday games, Tuesday games, you know, but then we are very obviously Thursday, Friday, Saturday heavy um, as, as obviously for, from the business standpoint, yeah. makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a wild 58 days. I'll tell you that right now. It's a, it's a wild 58 days. That'll start on June 2nd and end July 30th for us here in Medford. All right. Well, where can they find you on the big old internet? Absolutely. MedfordRogues.com is our website. Um, single game tickets. If you're happen to be passing through the area, will go on sale start of May. Uh, like you said, June 2nd is our opener. Um, our promotional schedule is loaded. Uh, multiple firework nights. I think, I think we have 20 giveaways, 21 giveaways out of our 35 games, fan giveaways um, scheduled. Um, we have a concert on the field after one of the games. Uh, we have diamond dig back, which means we're hiding a two thousand uh, dollar diamond in the infield. Hopefully, uh, somebody can find it. Hopefully, someone finds <laughs> it this year. Um, that, that once again, promotions don't always work out. Uh, but hopefully, this next year, someone finds it. Um, and so, yeah, we're just here to create a good, fun atmosphere for for Southern Oregon and Northern California. And and of course, anyone just passing through, you're you're passing mm-hmm. through from from Portland to San Francisco, and you're and you need something to do for a night stop in medford stay at our host hotel the rogue regency inn and suites tell them you're here with the medford rogues they'll give you a discount they'll save you 50 or 60 bucks on your room just mm-hmm. by just by mentioning us um and so yeah we just want we just want to create the brand and get the brand out there not just southern oregon but the entire pacific northwest that these hats can be purchased not just in medford but all over the world and on the web medfordrogues.com yeah so it's m-e-d-f O-R-D-R-O-G-U-E-S. That's a fact. Yes, sir. Dot com. All right. Com. I was kind of worried. I misspelled the <laughs> No, you're good, Ben. You're good. You got it right. <laughs> got it right. But, hey, uh, it's been great chatting with you. I'm sure everybody can find you on the Twitter sphere. Hit you up on Instagram. You're you're all out there. Medford Rogues. Dave, we really, really appreciate you coming on and joining us for the beginning of season four of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be your first guest of season four and can't wait to see what else you roll out here in season four. I'm sure it's going to be good for your listeners and and for baseball and the Pacific Northwest as a whole. And uh, thank you for for doing this. I mean, thank you for for promoting baseball and and not just Southern Oregon, Northern California, Washington, all, all the places Canada, all the things that you guys do and and, ev- and everyone that's like you, you know, like without without groups and people that do what you guys do um you know a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't get the information and so yeah. getting the information out is huge and and i know that speaking from medford i can't speak for any of the other franchises in the northwest but but thank you for that yeah well we appreciate it because you know what one of the things about baseball baseball is a community it's like a family of people and it's it like it's one of those things that you just love being a part of so i appreciate your time uh we will have you back again this Wait. season uh we're gonna we want to check back in with you probably a couple times yeah and then we'll do a season wrap up with you 
Sounds good. And I'll have far less hair the next time you talk to me. Only oh, come on. I'm getting less hair. I got well, because less that's gonna be, It's going to be gray and falling out before too long. The season's upon us, you know. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to connecting with you and talking more when that time comes. And uh, once again, thank you. All right, everybody. Well, this is Dave May of the Medford Rogues. We really greatly appreciate Dave joining us for this episode. And I'm so glad we're back. Season four of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. So wherever you are at, hope you have a great day. And peace out.